Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 154. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of bleedinggreennation.com. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy, don't even ask. <laughs> okay, what's wrong? Just the, the Eagles, Jimmy. They're, they're killing me here. They're just, it's an exhausting team. I don't even want to think about them, to be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, job, grateful, all that. They're wearing me down, Jimmy. I think I've said this time and time again. That's just my big takeaway. Like, I, I had trouble organizing my thoughts after that game, quote-unquote game, quote-unquote win over the Cowboys on Sunday. They're just exhausting, Jimmy. They're an exhausting team. Well, this has been an uplifting start to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they did get a win, so they are 3-4-1. and one. I do recall, I forget who it was, but somebody, uh, you know, noted, uh, on Twitter that they're three, four, and one now at the eight game mark uh, in each of the last two years, they were four and four. So they're four and four. Mm-hmm. Like we all see what this product on the field looks like. And the three games that they've won so far this year have been against Nick Mullins, a, a bad version of Daniel Jones and the Nooch. So it's not been a very impressive three wins. And their one tie, of course, comes against a bottom five franchise in the Cincinnati Bengals. So it hasn't looked very pretty. They actually had played okay in two of their losses against the Ravens and the Steelers, of course. Uh, but when we're at the, sort of the halfway point in the season, I like when the bye comes exactly at the halfway point in the season, by the way. Yes. Uh, it's just it's just nice and clean. So I like that. But uh, that's about as nice as a thing as I can say for the Eagles season so far. <laughs> but like, you know, like they, they just... They just have they've, – they've fallen well, well short of expectations. And, yeah, you factor in the injuries and such. But even with all the injuries they've had, they really – I mean, they just really have not played well. So what we're going to do today uh, – and we'll get to this um, after we go through news and stuff like that. But we'll, we'll give uh, the Eagles uh, grades for the season. We'll start with the offense today, and then we'll get to the defense and the front office uh, in the next episode of BGN Radio, episode number 155. Uh, so let's get to the news first. First of all, I guess the the big news is that there is no news. As the uh, trade deadline came and went, and the Eagles did nothing. So uh, what's your take on that? Well, the best thing I can say about the Eagles, Jimmy, is that they use Righteous Felon craft jerky. And obviously, you can get some yourself by going to Righteous Felon or RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. But on the trade deadline, I guess they, they didn't make a dumb trade where they lit a draft pick on fire. The terminology you've used, and I've adopted that. Yes. Uh, where, you know, they trade for Golden Tate, and that was stupid. And then... They trade for Jannard Avery. Now he's on IR. And that was what a, stupid. <laughs> yeah. What, what a really good use of resources there. So they didn't do anything like dumb. So I'll give them credit for that. But, you know, ideally they would have been able to sell someone here and didn't really end up being possible with Deshaun Jackson getting hurt and going on IR and then Zach Ertz getting hurt and going on IR. So ideally, you know, and, and if they were in a more competitive division, you know, like where they actually had good teams in it. Maybe they would have been more inclined to sell a piece like a Fletcher Cox or someone. And if they were a little worse, you know, they didn't have a real chance at the division. That would have been nice in theory to me. But uh, for where they are, I mean, it's fine that they didn't do anything. It could have been worse. Yeah, I think it's fine that they, that there was no activity at all. I thought it would have been crazy to give up any kind of draft pick for really any kind of player at all. Like I think there's maybe an argument to be made that if you trade for a guy who can be a long-term part of your future, sure. then that makes sense. But even that didn't make a lot of sense to me because the trade deadline sort of represents the time of year where it's most uh, a seller's market. 
So like if a team is trading uh, an asset, they're going to get the most for that player at the trade deadline than they will at any other part during the year. So if you're going to if you want to improve your roster long term, it's just not a good value right now. You may as well just wait until the offseason. And you, and by the way, you'll have more options at your disposal uh, during the offseason. So you don't have to sort of shoehorn a guy in like they did with Golden Tate and like they did with Gennard Avery last year. So, yeah, I just uh, I, I thought that there was no way that they should trade for any kind of player at all. As far as selling goes, I don't know why you put Zach Ertz on IR. Like we only learned kind of recently that you can't even trade guys if they're on IR. Uh, which is a new rule in this uh, COVID year. I think that'll probably change uh, next year. But if somebody came along and they gave you like a really good offer for him, I mean, you got to take that clearly, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you already have Dallas Goddard on your roster. He's, in my opinion, already like a top 10 kind of starting tight end in the NFL. And um, obviously, Ertz is unhappy with his contract. And we've been through all this already, like over and over. But if they could have gotten something decent for him at the deadline, I mean, they kept Alshon Jeffrey on the roster for for no good reason for the first half of the season. Why not also just keep Ertz for another for another week or two before you put him on IR? Or if he's going to return soon, then you know don't put him on IR at all. But I, I don't understand the logic in not at least waiting around to see if somebody blows you away with some kind of offer for him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And Albert Breer had said, uh, I think the terminology he used at the time when he. This was before the Giants scheme. He said that that the Eagles didn't put Zach Ertz on injured reserve as soon as they did. I guess they kind of waited a couple of days. Like he said, that kind of caught some attention from around the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there were some talks in there in that window, and it just whatever the price wasn't right. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, disappointing in that regard. That's why I can't say like they're winners at the deadline because they didn't screw up. Like you know, ideally <laughs> right. they would have been able to sell, and also that's just too low of a bar to clear yes. to give them credit like that. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on that. And then the other news, Josh McCown was poached mm-hmm. <laughs> off the Eagles practice squad by the Houston Texans. I had completely forgotten about McCown. Uh, I saw that news come across. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he was even there. Yeah, so he goes to the Texans now. That's like his... I think it's 50. <laughs> okay. Uh, including some other leagues. Uh, but yeah, he's gone now. Um, do you even know who their backup is off the top of your head? In Texas. Houston, it's AJ McCarron. So I guess they're maybe just bringing him in to maybe help out a little bit more with like a Deshaun Watson, maybe. Maybe, maybe they kind of have a vision for him to join the coaching staff, which that I could be. Th- thought the Eagles did. Also, I think part of it was just that like he wanted to be with a team like in person. Yeah, and that makes sense. Since he lives in Texas, you know, it's just natural for him to kind of just be there in that environment and. And uh, it's kind of weird because they're bad. <laughs> they're one and six. They're not going to the playoffs. So it's kind of, you know, you, you would think like you would want to, you know, join like a team that had a chance to go on a run, you know, maybe have a chance of getting a ring. It's obviously not devastating for Carson Wentz, who <laughs> uh, is not exactly benefiting from his presence in terms of statistical production. Yeah. McCown was a valuable guy to have around and in, in just as like a future coach. And I would like to, I mean, the Eagles. Talked to him about an offensive coordinator job. At least that's what Jeff McLean had reported after the season. And McCown had said, you know, he didn't want to stop playing yet, which is why potentially he didn't accept. And also, I don't know if they actually like, officially offered him that job as much as they kind of like talked about it. And then like, you know, maybe talked about adding him as maybe not the OC proper, but some kind of maybe like what they did with Press Taylor, like making him the passing game coordinator or something yeah. like that. Um, so kind of weird. Kind of out of left field there. Well, I think that's a good segue to our grades because obviously we're going to start at the top with quarterback. Um, you mentioned Carson Wentz. It's been ugly. <laughs> it's really the uh, is really the, uh, the the only way to put it for for Carson Wentz so far through the first half of the season. Uh, what's your grade for him? Uh, F. I mean, no, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. How can it not? I mean, he's he's up to fifty five fumbles in sixty four career games played. As I remind him after the game, and uh, he really appreciated that. Jimmy Carson Wentz ranks. <laughs> oh, they yeah, they they played that on uh, on WIP, right? Yeah, the, the morning uh, your, show. Your question to to Carson. Yeah, he yeah. did not like that. Uh, but I thought it was a fair question. I mean, yeah, of course, because I, I reached the point where I what I kind of wanted to ask him is like, at what point do we look at this number, this total, and be like, yeah, this is something I can work on. You know what I mean? Like at, at some point, this is just who you are. And like it's not going to be able to be fixed. And that's what it kind of feels like when you're seeing 55 fumbles in 64 games. Uh, he's he's at 31st in completion percentage. He's at 29th in yards per attempt. He's at 28th in QBR. He's at 30th in passer rating. Oof. He's 32nd in, uh, in, in football outsiders DR metric, 31st in DVOA. And then he's 33rd in PFF 
uh, their grading. So like it's it's terrible. He's been horrible. I'll give him a D minus uh, <laughs> for for all the reasons that you just said. I will maybe, and I don't I don't want to give him excuses. So like let's not uh, you know misconstrue what I'm what I'm saying here. I'm bumping him up from an F to a D minus. So I'm still saying he's he's been really 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 bad. But he has had a lot of injuries along the offensive line and at receiver and tight end and whatever else. So I'll factor that in a like a, t- a tiny bit. I'll just upgrade him to a D minus. But when I like you mentioned all like all those statistical comparisons to the rest of the league, if you just compare him statistically to himself in his rookie season, he's definitively worse. So like this year, fifty eight percent completion percentage, rookie year sixty two. Uh, he's got he's a little bit up on on TD percentage. At 3.9, he was 2.6 as a rookie. I know they ran a lot of touchdowns in uh, his rookie year. Like, he kind of got screwed a little bit on that. Uh, interception percentage. He's thrown an interception on almost 4% of all of his passes, which is just absolutely horrible, obviously. As a rookie, he was at 2.3%. So way worse than this year than when he was a rookie. Yards per attempt, 6.2 this year. 6.2 as a rookie with those garbage receivers. You're, you're talking about him throwing to, like, uh, DGB that season. And a really bad version of Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> He's 6.2 this year compared to 6.2 his rookie season. It's crazy how bad that is. And then his QB rating, 73.2 this year. 79.3 as a rookie. So worse this year. QBR, uh, 49.1. Uh, his rookie season, it was 49.4. 32 sacks taken this year. Hmm. 32. Took 33 sacks as a rookie. He's one sack behind where he was his whole rookie season. And like, yeah, they have some offensive line injuries, but those sacks have been more on Wentz than they have on that offensive line, in my opinion. And you already mentioned the fumbles, just the turnovers in general have just been horrible. And I mean, there was a point there. I mean, there was a point during the uh, Cowboys game and and Doug Peterson got asked about it after the game where like it wouldn't have been crazy for them to bench him in favor of Jalen Hurts. And Doug got asked that. He said he never uh, gave that any real consideration, but you know, if they had benched him, it's like I remember watching the sideline at a point just to see if like Hertz was warming up or not. Like, I, Doug isn't very isn't isn't a very like uh, you know impulsive type decision maker. Like he won't he, he won't often like do anything drastic in game. But I was watching to see if like Hertz is warming up because there was a good argument that he should have been benched during that game. Yeah, I mean, I made that argument. I said like I was like before the fourth turnover, I said. We're not that far off from Carson Wentz, you know, being like 2008 Donovan McNabb against the Ravens here, or at least justifying that kind of benching. Yeah, and I honestly, Jimmy, I want to see that happen. If like going forward, if Carson Wentz struggles really bad at this point forward in a game like this, and obviously, I don't, I don't think he's going to have four turnovers again. But if he does, or something close to that, and it's just like blatantly obvious that he's like a disaster out there, they should bench him. They should absolutely bench him in the way that Andy Reid did with McNabb. Because I think that's a good thing in terms of evaluating where Carson Wentz, like, how do, how does he respond to that? You know, like, how does he come back the next week? Because Donovan did a great job. He came back the next week against Thanksgiving and what? He had, like, four touchdowns against the Cardinals. Yeah. And, then he, and, that, and then that team went on a run. I would really like to see how Carson responds to that at that point. Because, like, it's sad that I have to say this. And I think Carson Wentz works hard, so I'm, I'm not saying like he's lazy or anything. But like, there needs to be accountability here, and there hasn't been accountability with Carson Wentz in this organization. He's had way too much power. We've talked about that. The coaching staff does it goes way too easy on him. They do not show him the tough love that they should. And if they do, well, it's not manifesting. The message isn't resonating. So I think benching him absolutely needs to happen. And I want to make it clear here. I'm saying in game. I'm not saying you like bench him going into a game yeah, and that, make that's a the full, starter. That's a full season decision if you do that. You, correct. So that's a whole different thing. I'm saying in game, if he's really bad, you bring in Hertz. You see how he does too, because like if you bring in Hertz and all of a sudden like he's actually looking pretty good and like you know doing pretty well, that also tells you it's not just the supporting cast. Um, but that's kind of a, a side thing. The main thing to me is is sitting him down. Especially, too, if Doug is going to trot out this BS about, like, sitting Jordan Mailata uh, and Nelson Aguilar and, like, you know, players (laughs) taking a step back and having a chance to watch from the sideline. Well, I think Carson Wentz could actually benefit from that, Doug. Yeah, it's a fair point. And, like, it's not only that, like, he's playing badly. He's just making the same dumb decisions over over and over again. Like, the one fumble that he had where he kind of, like, he went out to to his left. Early in the game, his first one. Yeah, and he, uh, like, he extended the play and he got out to to the left side of the field. 
and there's a Cowboys defensive back like charging right at him. Mm-hmm. It's not like he didn't see him coming. He sees him coming a mile away, mm-hmm. and he just holds the ball, holds the ball, waits to the last second, and like he's trying to throw like as the guy's right on him. Yep. Like it's just hard. Like what are you doing? Are you kidding me? Like it just it just never ends with the the stupid decision making with players around him. And he's trying to make plays, and he fumbles the ball. And it's and then your question after the game to him was totally valid. And I'm like I don't think you like got like. I don't think he reacted badly to your question, but yeah. uh, certainly wasn't happy with it. And there's really no reason not there, there's no reason to be unhappy with that question because, as you mentioned, like 55 fumbles in 64 games is totally unacceptable. And at some point, like they gotta hold his feet to the fire, or it's never gonna stop. Yeah, I mean, if Brandon Graham doesn't get the strip sack there, they could be down like 10-0 you sure. know, early in the game. Like that's pathetic. Like or at least six zero, and then it's just. It's really to me. It goes back to the accountability thing, and I just think we're not seeing it enough. So yeah, I've I, I was gonna say F plus, so, so not too far off because you know uh, you know like throw against the Giants, whatever. Did some good things against this. I thought he actually played well against the Steelers. Uh, led the comeback against the Ravens. So there have been like a little bit of bright spots here and there, but to me on the whole, it's just you know it's just it's a failure. The season has been a failure for him. So I F. feel like an F plus is worse than an F. Like it's like you failed, but to an an extra level. It's uh, it's kind does of patronizing like too, right? Does that make any sense? That oh, plus? no, I get what you're saying. It's, it's like a super fail. Yeah. Right, let's take let's, let's take a break, and then um, we'll come back and we'll do the rest of the offense, and then we'll do our NFC's picks in the third segment. Good. Okay. Um. Well, before we go to break, Jimmy, again, right to sell on craft jerky. You can go there for your meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles eat. And use the Novacare Complex, right to selling.com, discount code BGN15. They have a bunch of good different flavors you can try. So go do it. And we will be back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio. Uh, I forgot the episode number. It's 154. 154. Jimmy, now what? So let's go running back. Um, we covered Carson already. Miles Sanders, what do you got? Actually, are we going – we're going uh, – we'll give position. grades by by position. So running back, full encompassing grade, what do you got? I'm going to say C plus. Okay. Because Miles Sanders, some of these runs have been really good. Uh, you know, these big runs like he had against the Ravens and the Steelers. But – on the other hand, I think injury concerns are kind of a thing here now with Miles Sanders. You know, he's missed a couple games. He had the injuries in training camp. Like, he couldn't practice all the training camp. I don't think it's kind of been fully, you know, the second-year season we've wanted to see from him. I think part of that is on Carson Wentz because Carson has missed some throws down the field to Miles Sanders, so his production could look even better. But then beyond that, too, I mean, like, I mean, Boston Scott had a good game against the uh, the Giants, obviously, and then coming off a, a good performance against a horrendous Cowboys defense. I don't really want to read too much into that. Their run defense is like the worst in the NFL. Um, but then Corey Clement isn't like giving this team anything. I guess I've kind of been a little bit underwhelmed, but uh, well, I said C plus, so a little bit above expectation. What about you? Yeah. So by the way, I'm grading these on, I'm, I'm weighting expectation on that as opposed to just, you know, versus the rest of what, what mm-hmm. versus just, you know, replacement level running back or whatever so yeah i'm going to see here you, you mentioned the availability of of miles sanders so far he's played five games he's missed three he's had two different injuries and he got injured last year too so his durability is a concern going forward i think they should draft another running back in the 2021 draft 
and sort of just have um, you know a guy who can because I don't think he's I don't think he's a guy who's going to carry the ball twenty plus games for you or 20, 20 plus times for you as they sort of wanted him to be this year. I don't think he's that. So I think you got to give him help in game, and then also I think you have to have a guy back there who can you know kind of run inside, run outside, catch passes out of the backfield. Whereas I think that uh, Boston Scott really is is a guy that can't do everything like that. I think you got to have a second guy that can do that. I like Boston Scott as uh as like you know a third down type of back mm-hmm. and catch screens and do that kind of stuff but if you need a like he's not going to break tackles he's not going to run through tackles he's just not that kind of player if there's a hole you can get through it quickly which is good and you can you know have success on inside runs like that but if you need him to run through tacklers he's just not going to do it so i think that's i think that really limits you know your playbook when you get into these like third and short or fourth and short situations because you know that that's off the table like you're not going to give him the ball because the holes just aren't going to be there when the opposing defense is sort of packing the box like that so anyway kind of getting off track here but going back to Miles Sanders here the the durability is a concern you mentioned uh, that he would have made more plays probably in the passing game if uh, some throws had been a little more accurate to him but at the same time he's sort of missed opportunities on his own like what what game was it where uh, he had to turn like he turned toward the outside and he had to turn back inside, and he couldn't locate it quickly enough, and he sort of bounced off his hands, and, and it was a drop in the end zone. What, what game was that? It was the Ravens game. So he's, he's that's a play I think he's got to make. So uh, he hasn't been the same threat in the passing game that he was as a rookie. And, you know, my expectations heading into the season was that he was going to be awesome. Like, I thought he was going to be like, and not to, you know, give like fantasy football analysis here, but like he was going like first round in, uh, a, you know, a whole lot of fantasy football drafts, and he, his production just obviously hasn't lived up to that, and uh, part of that is the availability, and part of that, as you mentioned, you mentioned he's had a, a few nice long runs, which is great. But uh, as far as just a consistent sort of like every drive performer, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, the, the going back to the injury thing too. I mean, the conditioning was an issue earlier in the year because he missed training camp. Remember, like he wasn't like available at a couple like end of games. Like, like we we're like, yeah, what is going he got on? Tired. With that? Yeah. Yeah. So like that's also that goes in that, and that's a concern. Um, so yeah, that's all I had on running back. All right, wide receiver. What do you got? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's is, a lot. Of, there's a lot of layers to wide receiver. There are. Usually, this is like an easy F for the Eagles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, yeah. Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, I think I'm going to go with D. Okay. Plus. I'm curious. I think it's better than that. But go ahead. Okay. There's been some potential here. Well, I'm being a harsh grader too. That's who I am. Not like a, a cupcake, Mr. Cupcake over here, like Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, <laughs> I. It's it's a hard one to figure out. Like, I think I have to wait all Sean and Deshaun in there and they haven't been able to contribute at all. And like, that's a big factor. This is the, these are the guys who are the, the three of the top six or sorry, two of the top six biggest cap hits on the team. Like, and that's a fact that's absolutely a factor. And Deshaun hasn't been able to stay healthy um, again. And part of that's on management too, but still like when I'm, if I'm just grading the position, what they're able to contribute, I think that should factor in. And then Rager, you know, he's been hurt. Um, I thought he's shown some potential. I thought he should have caught that touchdown. Do you agree with me on that? By the way, at the end of the game, it kind of looked like he dropped that to me. Like, I know the Cowboys defender came in, but it, lo- it didn't look like he like caught it cleanly. It kind of like bounced off his hands. Weird. Yeah, I didn't get a good chance to look back closely at that play, but my understanding was the Cowboys defender like made a, made like a legitimately nice play on that. He did, but I still think he could have caught that. Like if because anyway, uh, point yeah. There's an like, argument that he, that he should make that. There's there's an argument that he could have made that catch. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. If sh- I don't know about should have, but he definitely could have. So I, I, you know, I still want to see more from him, like a lot more from him, especially when you have Justin Jefferson looking like like legitimately one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, so I want to see that. Uh, Fulgham, I mean, has been awesome. So maybe I'm too low just because I'm not factoring him in. He leads the NFL in receiving. I was talking to a friend of the podcast well, since, the- since week four. He's leading the, the yeah since week four. Sorry. Uh, I was talking to a friend of the podcast uh, and big flex here, uh, Mike Quick, after the game on Sunday. I saw him on my way out of the stadium, and I was like, you know Travis Fulgham is on like a 16-game pace to like uh, beat your all-time single-season receiving record, right? And he was like, what? <laughs> so um, so it was a fun conversation with him. Yeah, uh, and Fulgham's just – he's been incredible, and he's really good. Like it's just – he's clearly legitimate. It's not like a fluke at this point. It can't be. Um, so maybe I'm not giving maybe like a C minus then like a C minus just because of how awesome he's been. I think Greg Ward, I think Greg Ward is underratedly not good, Jimmy. Like I was looking this up, um, <laughs> like he, he yeah. can obviously be like he's good for what he is. Like he's a solid, sturdy slot receiver. 
Although he did have, you know, uh, he's coming off a really bad game. You know, he, he had, like, what, three receptions or 10 yards? He had that drop on third down. That was crucial. But, yeah, I was looking up his uh, yards per, per uh, reception mark, and he's 137th out of 156 qualified players this year. The only wide receiver in the NFL who has a lower yards per reception average is Larry Fitzgerald, who is now 37 years old. So... <laughs> You know, not the most dynamic guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go C minus on this one. What about you? Oh, you, want, you just changed C minus. Okay. I got to yeah. cross out this D plus here then. All right. I'm going B minus. So okay. uh, um, I'm with you on Ward, first of all. It's not the most important uh, player from this group. But as long as you just talked about him last, I'll add my two cents there. I think a slot receiver is an offseason need. I think they got to find a, a more explosive player yes. in that spot. And I'd like to see that happen if I'm the Eagles in the draft. Um, where they can develop a guy that 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 can be that. Uh, maybe that's Rager, and maybe you find an outside guy. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's the best use of resources for Rager. I think you still hope that he's the outside receiver alongside with Travis Fogum. But yeah, I think that they should uh, invest in the slot receiver position this offseason. Ward, I think, maybe is overrated because he was the one competent player that came yes. in and was actually making catches last year. And by comparison, like, again, talking about, like, clearing easy bars, like he was the best receiver, or, like, the last four weeks of the year um, for, the, for the Eagles during their playoff run when, when uh, you know, we, we were maybe feeling a little bit better about Carson Wentz putting the team on his back and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, this year, yeah, I mean, he's just not a player that he's going he's gonna to make catches that he's supposed to make. But beyond that, he doesn't really offer anything. So... Um, yeah, I, I think they should, uh, certainly look to upgrade that spot. Fulgham's just been awesome. I mean, there's really, there's really no other way to put it. And it's very clear at this point that he is a very good receiver and he's going to continue to be that. And yes. I think there's some, um, th- I think there's some, uh, I guess the way I put it is, uh, there's hope for the future with Fulgham and Rager, uh, as your two starting receivers, whereas that didn't exist previously. Like, it was always like about replacing you know, like a, like an Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson. I know you factored those guys in into your uh, into your grade there. I don't really care about those guys personally. I had no expectations for those guys heading into the season. I knew Deshaun was going to get hurt at some point. Didn't think he was maybe going to go down as quickly as he did. And then as soon as he came back, he got hurt again. That's, so that was sort of like a little bit expected. Not a little bit expected, but expected on my part. And then I didn't expect to see Alshon Jeffrey anytime soon. Like I know that it was reported that he could be playing as soon as like early October. Mm-hmm. Obviously, early October has come and gone. And we're into early November now. And we still haven't seen him to be determined if we'll ever see him. Maybe he plays uh, week, week 10 against the Giants in their next game. Or maybe they'll invent a new injury for him. So, like, who knows what will happen there. But I really didn't – I didn't care about those guys heading into the season. Like, I cared more about Rager. I wanted to see, like, the younger guys like Quez Watkins and John Hightower. Hightower's been up and down, but he's made some big plays. So, I think, you know, what they do have here is at least something to build on, which is, you know, sort of – I mean, I thought they had something to build on with Rager and maybe a little bit with Hightower and Watkins. But having Fulgham in there now, too – and, uh, you know, and having maybe a legitimate number one wide receiver is a huge, huge factor for this offense and the roster building that goes into the wide receiver position going forward. I think on Deshaun, I would I agree with you on all Sean. I, with Deshaun, I feel like he was looking good in camp and like just what we saw from him last year. You know, I felt like he should have been better when he was on the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, You knew he wasn't going to be available, but you felt like he should still be like a weapon at times. And he what he really hasn't. Yeah, been he that. hasn't even been that this year. Like at least last year, he he had that one big game week one. Yeah, he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, so I would add that on that expectation. And then for Fulgham, I would say they're not throwing him the ball enough. <laughs> like get it to him even more. I know they're throwing it to him like a lot in theory, but like it's still not enough. Like like just throw to him like a ton. Like like he should be getting at least like ten targets a game. Like why not? Like like get, feed the man the ball. He's a guy that you can do that with. So like certain receivers. You can't just throw him the ball and, you know, hope they're going to make plays. But with him, because he's such a good contested catch guy and uh, because he's big and he's like, that's that's the value of the 50-50 ball guy is that you can throw it to him even if they're not totally, you know, not, not not like clearly wide open. Uh, that's what they were hoping that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside would be. <laughs> and it's and we haven't, it's funny that we haven't even mentioned him. It's funny that we didn't even mention him at all. But that's what they, you know, hoped he would be. 
Uh, and that's what Travis Fulgham has become for them. So, yeah. I, so basically, I, I agree with you that you can just you, they, they should throw to him more and not be so worried uh, about whether he's covered or not because he's the only. I mean, he's the guy that's making plays for your offense. And I mean, we probably should just bring up JJ Ortega Whiteside real quick. He's been nothing so far this year. He's done he's done absolutely nothing for them other than a, a nice block down the field on a long mile Sanders run. Yeah. So I factored right. that in too. <laughs> so uh, moving on. Or, you, or do you have anything else to add? No, nope, that's it. All right, so tight end. I'll start with you again. What do you got? Well, it's like my mom likes to say, they all have tight ends, Jimmy. <laughs> does she, she does say like that? that joke. She's, it's a very mom joke. She likes that a lot. She'll okay. listen to this on the podcast and appreciate that. Love you, mom. <laughs> does she listen to all, she listen to all the podcast episodes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she okay. does. She listens to this and she listens to all the episodes of the Oddcast on the SB Nation NFL show, which you can subscribe to by going to it's whatever. A, it's a good mom. Good for, yeah, good for her. Tight end. Okay, tight yeah, so Ertz has been a freaking disaster, basically, or terrible. Like, way, 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 way worse than you could reasonably expect. And uh, Goddard was looking pretty good before he got hurt, but then he got hurt. And Goddard has been kind of banged up. I wouldn't say super injury prone, but, like, you know, he's been banged up here and there. Um, so that's not amazing. Uh, not enough to, to be super concerned about, like, signing to him a long-term deal or anything. But uh, if I'm holding that into or factoring that into the grade here, I'm going to say, man, I'm I'm not really going high on any of these. I'm gonna say C plus. Okay, I got him at a D plus. Okay, uh, so let me write down a C plus. So I'm generous. I'm too generous I, then. I mean, Ertz has Ertz has been legitimately bad. Yeah. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He just hasn't been good. His contract. Uh, he admitted that his contract was affecting him during training camp. Yep. And I think that's carried over into the regular season. And I, I think it's fair to to sort of, you know, fact. I think it's fair to say that like. You know, you can make the argument, well, you're not in the player's head. You don't know what he's saying. Well, he, he admitted that he was thinking about it during training camp. So he sure as hell is probably thinking about it during the uh, during games themselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, he just hasn't he just hasn't been anything close to what he's been over the course of his career. Uh, in Carson Wentz's first four seasons in the NFL, uh, he has been by far uh, the Eagles' best receiver. He's always he always leads the team in, in you know, all the major receiving stats and that's not going to happen this year so it's going to be Travis Fulgham across the board this year he's now Carson Wentz's go-to receiver I don't think it's Ertz anymore and Ertz hasn't been available obviously he got hurt again as well uh you mentioned Dallas Goddard going down I think he's a very very good player Mm -hmm. uh but I am a little bit maybe concerned more than you are about his his you know uh injury proneness I don't think it's necessarily that like he's soft yeah, he's definitely not soft. Like yeah, he, he plays agree. hard. He's a good blocker. When he catches the ball, he gets all the yards after the catch that he possibly can. He's a lot. He's a little bit like uh, Brent Selleck in that regard, where Selleck would catch a pass and he's like a bull in the china shop. Uh, Goddard has some of those qualities to him, but I think as a result of that, you know, he's because of the way he plays and he plays hard. I think maybe that opens him up to to more injuries that that uh, you know maybe a softer tight end might might not be uh, might might not be making themselves uh, uh, prone to so. Yeah, I, I really do like Goddard a lot, but uh, he hasn't been there. So, I mean, we can't grade on what he, you know, games where he hasn't been there. So, uh, on the whole, you look at the tight end position and you head into the season, you think, okay, well, it's the they have the best tight ends in the NFL. It's the best tight end duo in the NFL, and they just really haven't gotten any production there this year. Jimmy, how dare you forget Jason Kroom catching a touchdown pass, though, <laughs> and like one of his only snaps. I mean, that was pretty productive. That, that was their like lone a- trade deadline uh, roster move, by the way, was to wave him and then they brought him back to the practice squad a little bit later that's like an a plus for him though i mean he, he <laughs> way true. exceeded expectation and then uh, you have to factor in dick rod here too because he had that pretty strong game against the giants and i think he's been i mean he's been better than Ertz, basically i mean he's been a solid number two tight end for what you would want like production wise or at least at the very least like pretty good number three option not that that's like super important to the team's outlook like he's a long-term piece although you know, Dallas Goddard and Richard Rodgers as your top two tight ends. You know, you trade Zach Ertz. I mean, that could be a thing, a future. Obviously, you'd probably try to draft someone here, too, and, and try to keep building behind Goddard or whatever uh, beyond this year. But, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm probably too generous with that one. I might adjust it in post when I write this up. But <laughs> but for now, uh, I think I that uh, best tight end duo in the NFL, and they haven't done anything yet. I think that's the line that got you, wasn't True. it? True. <laughs> All right, offensive tackle. What do you got? There's so many like weird layers to a lot of these things. Because so, like, how do I factor Andre Dillard in here? I feel like I have to. I mean, this is your first round pick sure, from last year. Of course, year. yeah. Um, and he, he, he was your projected, he was your project, projected starter. Yeah, no doubt. 
and all, he, all off season long. And like it's not his fault he got hurt. Like you know, and it's not like it's a, a soft thing in terms of the injury. Like he got his biceps tore when he was yeah. doing a drill. Like you know, that's just bad luck. Um, but he wasn't looking great before he got hurt in training camp. Uh, so not really feeling optimistic about him. And then all the whispers we've heard, you know, have not been encouraging. So I have to ding that. Um, Jason Peters. I mean, that, how they handled that situation at left tackle is bad. I mean, they gave this guy a raise, and he struggled. <laughs> and he basically, I think, was the one who told Doug that he's playing left tackle. Um, and then to put him over in there at Jordan Mailata, who I think has very much exceeded expectations, has been a positive. But then you look at Lane Johnson and him being in and out of the lineup, and I think that's been stupid. And I'm glad the Eagles didn't play him against the Cowboys because I thought that was going to be stupid. He hasn't played a full game since week three. Like, why, why do they keep trotting him out? Why does Lane? I know Lane's tough, but like at some point they have to kind of have to hold him back and be like, Lane, like you're not going to be able to make it through the game. Like we need it to sit you down and hopefully get you some rest and that'll, that'll help. And, and hopefully that's kind of what they did do. Although he kind of said he had swelling in his knee. So I guess he kind of took himself out for the Cowboys game anyway. Uh, all this is to say, Mylotta, you know, showing potential and being a potential future left tackle, or at the very least, like maybe a, like a big V, you know, like a nice swing tackle at the very mm-hmm. least, if, if not a starter, that's pretty valuable and pretty big. So I think I'm going to say, <laughs> man, uh, this is tough. Like this is, this is pretty tough. I think I'm going to say C. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for me, Mylotta has been at least a big V level player. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you there. Um, Dillard, you know, you mentioned the the preseason injury. I thought he was really alarmingly bad. And so I shouldn't say that. He was, I think he had some days where he was like, he was fine. He looked good. Like he's athletic. We already knew that. His footwork is great. Um, You know, he can combo block. He can get out like on the perimeter. He can get to the second level and stuff like that. Anything with athleticism, uh, he's going to be fine. But there were just some moments where he just got like pushed back in the pocket, which was his biggest weakness during the 2019 season by far. What was the play where, where like he got pushed back into Wentz and Wentz is uh, who like who did that to him? Joe Osman. It was Joe Osman. Okay. I mean, he just uh, like that one play uh, really stood out. Like I remember like writing my notes uh, for that day of practice, and like I focused on like just that one rep for like half of the notes. So. Uh, that that was the that, for me like that was the most alarming play of training camp for any player where he I mean it it was just his 2019 season in one rep where he just was unable to anchor and he just kind of got bullied by a lot of other by by a lot of uh, opposing defensive linemen so uh, I I wonder what kind of season he would have had if he stayed healthy we'll never know I guess maybe we'll find that out in 2021 but I think there's some encouragement with. What we've seen from Mylotta, maybe he can be a starter at a minimum. As you mentioned, I think he's at least a big V-level uh, backup who can play right and left. Uh, Jason Peters should not have been able to play. Uh, well, I guess with um, Lane Johnson out and Jack Driscoll also out, um, it you know you can make the argument for JP playing left tackle uh, and uh, Mylotta playing right tackle. The alternative to that would have been for uh, Mylotta just to stay at left tackle. And then they could have put JP at right guard and Matt Pryor at right tackle. So I can understand why they didn't do that. But going forward, if you have uh, Lane Johnson uh, and or Jack Driscoll back, there's really no good argument for Jason Peters to stay at left tackle because Mylotta has outperformed him and pretty clearly, in my opinion, has outperformed him outperformed him in, at that spot. So uh, I would have JP back at right guard yes. and uh, Mylotta back at left tackle. Uh, but that really has nothing to do with the way they played. Jason, Jason Peters is nowhere near what he used to be, obviously. I don't think he's really close to what he was even in 2019. I think he's been just down. He was actually okay against the Cowboys. But otherwise, I think he really struggled uh, at that left tackle spot. And then with Lane, you, you look at that ankle. It's not just a problem this year. Like That's been a problem for years. And I think it's going to be um, sort of a concern for the rest of his career. I wonder if it'll affect him uh, beyond just 2020. So what was your grade? So I'm going to go C minus at, okay. uh, at offensive tackle. Um, I think the ankle point is really good. Lane himself said he's been dealing with it since 2018. Jaguars game. It was game. the Jaguars game, yeah, in London. Yep. And uh, he thought before the season, you know, he kind of <laughs> had gotten it fixed, but then clearly, <laughs> clearly not. It's been an issue. It's been swelling up, and now he has the knee thing too. And I'm sure the ankle thing factored into him suffering the knee thing. So, yeah. And then he's, you know, he's he's on the wrong side of 30 now. So uh, not great. It's not like I don't think he's done so. 
and he's really tough. You know, it's just, yeah, hasn't been the most encouraging season for the tackle outlook other than Jordan Mailata, you know, coming in again, showing some potential here. That's all I have in the tackles. Uh, interior offensive line. I'll go first on this one. First of all, uh, Jason Kelsey, still awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can still really, really play well, and he's had a really good year. Uh, in my opinion, and really, he's been the only thing that's kind of kept that line together. Like, where would they be if he went down? <laughs> like, they, I know. like that. Th- th- I mean, it, it's kind of like the same thing as like um, Malcolm Jenkins during the 2018 season, where they lost so many defensive backs, and he was really the only thing kind of keeping it together on the back end there. I think that's what Jason Kelsey has sort of done for the offensive line this year. Samala was fine before he got hurt, but he's been out for a while, and um, that's kind of kind of the one player that we don't really have any kind of clarity on at all on. In terms of when he's going to return, when he went down, yeah. uh, Doug said he would be out for, quote unquote, the foreseeable future, which basically means that he was like on his deathbed in, in Doug Vernac- in, in Doug <laughs> Peterson vernacular. Uh, but I think he was fine before he got hurt. Brandon Brooks will be back in 2021, but they've you know obviously missed him. The right guard spot has had like five different guys play there. And Jamon Brown was an absolute, like, I mean, it was almost kind of fun how bad he was. He's fixing his gloves uh, while, like, Carson Wentz being being chased around. He, he got, was sacking Carson Wentz. He sacked Carson. It's funny because him sacking Carson Wentz was only the third worst uh, play that he had that day. <laughs> with the other two being him fixing his gloves. And there's, I forget who it was, but somebody just threw him, basically. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, so you have him going there. You have Pryor playing some right guard. You have uh, Herbie playing uh, some right guard. Herbie's been back and forth between left guard and right guard. When you look toward the future, I think that Herbie, uh, in a similar way that Milata can maybe be your swing tackle, he's a guy that can maybe fill in. We haven't seen him at center yet, but he, at a minimum, he can play left guard and right guard and be a competent. I think he's like sort of maybe um, uh, like a like a Stefan Wisniewski type. Mm-hmm. Who can be sort of your your backup interior offensive line at three different positions? Again, we haven't seen him at center, so we don't know what that looks like. But I think he'd be fine. He's shown enough where he can be competent at both guard spots. I don't think you want him as a starter going forward, but um, yeah, I, I think they they have found at least a player there who can be serviceable when you need him. So I mean, the the interior offensive line is, is sort of weathered a, a, like a ton of injuries, and with the exception of Jamon Brown, they've at least been okay there. I think you know Pryor maybe had I think it was the Steelers game where he was particularly bad, but otherwise it's been, I guess, fine enough. I'll weight this a little bit heavy toward just how awesome Kelsey is, yeah. and I'll go as high as a B-minus here. Yeah, I was between B-minus and C-plus, too. I think I'm going to say uh, B-minus, because I like what I've seen out of her big overall, relative mm-hmm. to expectation. She's only 22, too. Like That's, that's extremely young. Like A lot of like NFL rookies at guard probably this year are like 22, so... Uh, doesn't turn 23 till July too. So I think he has some nice potential here. I think he could be a future starter like way down the road, you know, but like he would be in the mix depending like if Jason Kelsey retires after this year, I mean, they might just move Samalo there and he'll be your center. But yeah, that like, makes sense. But her, her big could potentially be like in a competition for that spot. So like that's something to watch for the future. Like when we're talking about how this team needs to get younger, I mean, he could be a young piece. So I think I, I've been encouraged by Nate Herbig. And his outlook, we'll see, you know, what becomes of him. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned Kelsey, obviously. Uh, and I think Herbig, too, has looked better, I guess, when... Oh, oh so this is a, this is the point I was looking for. I think he's looked good at right guard, ideally, when you keep him in one place the, the most. But, like, this, this is what annoys me, Jimmy. The fact that you look at Nate Herbig, like, coming in and having to flip between right guard and left guard every week. And then even Mylata who has never even played football like, a couple years ago, flipping <laughs> right. from left tackle to right tackle. And then we're all so soft on Andre Dillard when he says he can't switch <laughs> to right tackle. Like, oh, right. well, he can't do that. That's too hard. Like, like people give him that excuse. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're seeing Nate Herbig have to flip. And, like, he's not, like, you know, like, like that's and he's an undrafted rookie free agent. He's not even a first-round pick. And Jordan Mailata, again, seventh-round pick. Like, these guys are having to, to flip, and they're making do. Like, Andre Dillard couldn't even do it. Like, he got benched at halftime because he was such a freaking disaster. And mentally, he was so defeated going into the game that he didn't even really give himself a chance. Yeah, he already knew it was going to go badly. So, like, I hate this idea that, like, we can't ding him for that because he looked good at left tackle, which isn't even fully true. It wasn't true. He was horrible at left tackle. He was bad across the board. I'm saying, like, that's the argument. You know, people, like, say, like, it's irrelevant that he can't play at right tackle. No, it's not irrelevant because it's more optionality if he could. If he could play at right tackle, it would be better. 
Um, so anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like we glossed by that. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, Herbie's starting at left guard this week. Well, that's a big deal. Like he's, he's switching <laughs> right. to another side of the line. Yes. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, like there's like no second thought to it. Whereas right. like if Dillard did that, it'd be like, oh, well, he couldn't possibly succeed if we moved him to another spot. <laughs> like that's that's just such BS to, to give him a pass for that. Uh, so I wanted to include that in there. But yeah, I'm with you. I think grade wise, like, I guess, yeah, what did I say? Like C plus. Um, just because, I said B minus. So yeah. you, you're you're going C plus. Yeah, just because okay. you know Jamon Brown's such a disaster, <laughs> and and Herbig has some had some bad moments, and then prior to not just not ideal. Yeah. So uh, let's take another break. Uh, actually, uh, before we do that, uh, I don't have a jingle this this week, my friends. And I'm sorry for that because I've been watching election coverage for the past like three days. So uh, if you're looking to buy or sell a house, I'll tell you what. We don't know what the uh, what the outcome of the election is yet, or at least a, while we're recording this at ten ten a.m. on mm-hmm. Thursday, we don't Thank know who has, won this, yes. who has won this election yet. Uh, but if you are angry at the results of the election, whoever loses, whoever wins, whoever loses, or whatever, um, then and you're looking to sell your house and move to Canada or New Zealand or some other place around the planet, call Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. She's the best. Brandon? Or if you're so happy with the results of the election. You're going to buy extra houses. Yeah, buy another house. house Why not? Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here for our final segment on BGN Radio, episode 154. It's time for our NFL picks. I say that like there's going to be a sting in there, but there won't <laughs> always be an awkward silence. We used to have a sting in, in old editions of BGN Radio many moons ago. Uh, Jimmy, I am now 12 and 13 against the spread this year. You are 13 and 12. Boom! Really killing it. You went 2-0 and last week. I went 1-1. One one. No one cares about those records at all. I don't know why I mention them every week, but I do. Uh, I will also note here, even though obviously no Eagles game this week, they're on the bye. I am 5-3. and three. In straight up Eagles picks, you were four, three, and one. I've really climbed out of a hole on that one. I was oh three and one at one point. Yes, and I've uh, I've battled back, fought the good fight. Now, what do we have this week? So we got Steelers at Cowboys minus thirteen and a half. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, no, no. I'm sorry, Steelers minus thirteen and a half at Cowboys. Sorry, of course. Obviously, the Cowboys are not favored over the Steelers. Not the Nooch. Uh, I guess he's not even starting. I think no. so might, disappointing. I was I was looking forward to watching the Nooch again. It might be uh, Garrett Gilbert, the mighty Garrett. Gilbert. I thought it was going to be Cooper uh, Rush. Well, I've I've seen him too. Blogging the boys said I think Garrett Gilbert was like the favorite. I don't know. Anyway, who cares? We all win. It doesn't matter. Dude. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they're starting. Steelers are so good. That defense is super legit. Ravens move the ball on them more than you would have liked to see if you're a Steelers fan yeah. at like 400-something yards. But Well, they have the 2019 MVP, so. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they took the ball away four times from Lamar Jackson, and then mm-hmm. they, they forced a big turnover on downs at the end of that game. That defense is nasty. I was concerned a little bit to see, like, Big Ben, like, rubbing his arm and, and like and not looking great because I had picked the Steelers to win that game. But uh, I still think he's, he's fine, and that offense has a lot of good ways to go. And the Cowboys' defense is so horrendous. And Jimmy, I'm really upset that I didn't get it to it earlier, how he didn't mention that. Just how pathetic the Eagles' offensive performance was against the Cowboys. I mean, like, this is a team in Dallas – that has just been a total, total joke defensively. They're allowing the thirty third, or they're they're allowing thirty three offensive points per game. The Eagles scored what sixteen offensive points against the yes. Cowboys. This is a defense that had taken the ball away three times, only three <laughs> yes. times in seven games, and then Carson yeah. Wentz turns the ball over four times, and basically um, it was like it was not even it was like three minutes into the second half, like. Just pathetic. They, pathetic they had 222 offense. yards against them. Pathet- it's pathetic. There's no good reason for that. It, it's, so it's a joke. Anyway, that doesn't 
really apply to the Steelers other than to say that I think the Steelers are going to make the Eagles offensive performance look foolish because they're going to kick the crap out of this Cowboys team and easily cover. Yeah, the Eagles still won by 14 <laughs> despite, you know, 222 yards, the four turnovers that you mentioned, uh, only scoring 16 points themselves uh, on offense anyway. Uh, so yeah, I, when, when, when I saw that Andy, Andy Dalton, I guess is in the, uh, COVID, um, whatever they, the COVID List, protocol yeah. or whatever. When I saw that, I was like, oh man, the nooch is back. And I was happy that we were going to get to see him again, uh, just for entertainment value. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, they are not going to start him. They're going to start somebody else, whether that be Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush. Uh, but like, I can't, uh, when, so when Andy Dalton went down, the point I was going to make here was like, I thought that line was going to be like 20. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the line is like 13 and a half, I hate laying that many. I hate laying double digit points. I hate it. Uh, but in this case, that number is really attractive to me. I will lay the 13 and a half all day on this Steelers team over what is, in my opinion, easily the worst team in the NFC. And in my opinion, the second worst team in the NFL behind only the New York Jets. Cowboys are 0-8 against the spread this year. Is that right? Okay. Uh, yes. yep. That makes sense. For Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, interesting that, that, <laughs> that oh, oh and eight's not good against spread. And, you know, a lot, I think I, I would say probably, I don't know, like if this is true or not, but I would say historically they're probably not great against the spread uh, as overrated. it is because they're wildly overrated. They're overhyped every year and they have the most fans of, of any team in the league. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a fan of a team, you're more likely to bet them than you are to bet against them, of course. So, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, Oh, and eight is it's like that makes a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an eye opening stat for sure. And then the next game we want to talk about in the context of the Eagles, too, which is the, it's the uh, the Giants uh, at the football team. Uh, football team is minus three. And you know what's going to happen with this game, by the way, Brandon, is whoever wins this game, people are going to maybe rightfully say uh, they are the Eagles biggest threat. In the NFC East. Now, of course, that's what we're saying right now about the football team. But even if the Giants win, like that's what people are going to say about the Giants, and they're they're going to say that uh, uh, about a two and seven team if they win this game. Giants being one and seven, uh, uh, football team is what they're two and five, right? What do you what do you got in this matchup? Uh, what's the line again? It's football team minus three. Yeah, I'll take the football team. They they had a chance to beat uh, the Giants at the end of that game when they played uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, went for two at the end and get it. I don't think the Giants are good enough for to sweep Washington, and I don't think Washington is that bad to be swept by the Giants. Now, now look, the Giants played the Bucks competitive on Monday Night Football, so this I think they will be competitive in this game. Although it's you know it's a short week for them, whereas Washington had a week of rest. And kind of like I said previously, like Washington has a formula to be up on bad teams. I mean, that defense is good. It's a legitimately good defense. They're like like fourth or fifth now in DVOA defensively. Like it's a legitimately good defense, you know, anchored by that defensive line. I, I have some level of faith in that unit. Um, you have Kyle Allen, who, again, isn't like good, but I think he can at least be like a game manager for you and not like destroy like he, he can take care of the ball a little bit i mean he has one fumble one interception this year like he hasn't been like a disaster in that regard and he can just like do just enough where you also have that running game with antonio gibson who's coming on and again a, a legitimate weapon down the field and terry mclaurin like i think there's enough there for washington to win this game and i do think they are the biggest threat to the eagles in the east and I don't think it's impossible they could win the East because I think when you look at the how things are lining up and you look at their schedule the rest of the season, as we've kind of done here before on BGN Radio, I think it's very well possible that that Week 17 game between the Eagles and Washington will be for the NFC East title. Did you know, Brandon, that since 2017, the Giants have the worst record in the NFL? <laughs> and I think there's actually a decent margin there between the next closest team. But they're 13-43. and 43. 13 and 43 yep. since uh since the boat picture actually no they're thir- they're 13 and 44 since the boat picture but uh well you can't go on the boat everyone knows that <laughs> wait wait actually when was it was the boat 2015 or 2016 that might be wrong i think it was, I think it was 2016 because they went to the playoffs that year remember that was yeah, like okay. their good season under ben McAdoo his first year and then they went to the playoffs and they uh, lost okay. in the first round to the Packers. So they're thirteen and forty-four since the bow picture. Thirteen and forty-three since the start of the twenty seventeen season, which again, as I said, is the worst in the NFL. They are eight and f- 
eight and forty one against non football team teams. Mm-hmm. Against the football team during that span, they're five and two. Yep, <laughs> it's like the only team that they can beat. So uh, I actually have the Giants winning this game outright. Mm. I don't think the Giants are as bad as uh, as their one and seven record would indicate. They've been in every game except for one. They got blown out by the Steelers. Forty nine. Other night, oh, I'm sorry, the the Forty Nine Steelers. They played Week One and they lost by ten. Uh, but they were in that game for a while. I think they actually had a lead early in that game. But they've been in every game. Uh, they've lost by three or fewer points in I think three games, and I think they lost one by four, and I think they they lost another one by a touchdown, uh, eight eight points against the Rams. So um, yeah, they've been in every game. I don't think I don't think the football team is good at all either. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're both. What about uh, that defense? The Giants are certainly top are certainly a bottom five team. Like don't get me wrong here, and I think the football team are close to that. I think they escape that bottom five team circle of hell at this point in the season, but they're not far away. But I still think that the Giants. This is the one game that they can go into every year, or two games that they can go into every year, and they and think to themselves, "Oh, we can win this game." So I, I actually have the Giants to win outright down in Landover, Maryland. Washington actually ranks 21st overall in DVOA, whereas the Giants are 27th, just ahead of okay. the Eagles at 28th. Oh, the Eagles are 28th still? Jeez. Yeah, they stink, man. They're, they're <laughs> also like 20th in point differential, the Eagles. Like they're, yeah. just, they're so – it's such a joke. Like when you look at the other division leaders, you know, compared to this team, it's just like – it's so pathetic <laughs> that like yeah. we have to pretend that we have to talk about this team. Like, oh, they can make the playoffs because obviously they can, but it's like we shouldn't – that should not be the conversation. Like, that should really just – like, they don't deserve that. It's so undeserved that they're in the spot that they are. There are going to be um, probably around – I mean, there's going to be at least 10, like, teams that don't make the that, – that don't win their division mm-hmm. that are very clearly better than the Eagles. There's going to be at least 10, and there could be as many as, like, 15 maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we've kind of beaten to death the idea that the NFC East is terrible. But uh, one last time, NFC East is terrible. <laughs> Anything else, Jimmy, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I would just say good job to everyone, uh, who went out and voted. It was record turnout, like by a pretty wide margin, as far as I understand, even though there was a pandemic going on. So, uh, we've been saying all along, uh, every week doing this podcast, get out and vote and, uh, peep, I don't know if, I don't know if we're solely responsible for everyone in the country going out and voting. That's debatable, but, uh, whether we are or not. Uh, good job by everyone by getting out there and voicing your opinion on uh, who should be or who shouldn't be leading our country. Jimmy, but the voting shouldn't stop here because this is my final thought on this episode of BGN Radio. I want to say people need to vote for Brandon Graham to make the Pro Bowl. Now, that doesn't open until November 17th, I believe. And obviously the Pro Bowl isn't it's, it's kind of a joke, you know, in terms of the game itself. And there's not even going to be one this year because of COVID and whatever. And I don't even think it's fully decided what they're going to do in lieu of that. But for the, the honor alone, you know, having that on his resume. He's Brandon, never yeah, he's never been there. He deserves it. Like, it's, it's there's no question. He has seven sacks. It's the most among. It's, it's only behind Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald in the NFL total. But if you look at NFC edge rushers. Uh, Is that right? He's, he's third in the NFL with seven? Yep. If you look at huh. – and now he's kind of helped there a little bit too because I think not every team has played as many games as the Eagles. But still, uh, you know, regardless, he's still been great. He's seven. Uh, he's first in the NFC in edge rushers and sacks. He is second in the NFC and edge rushers, I believe, in tackles for loss, like just behind Khalil Mack. Like, let's get Brandon Graham to the Pro Bowl. This guy is a bright spot. On a very bad Eagles team. He brings it every single week. He made the biggest play in Eagles history when he strip sacked Tom Brady. He has great initials, most importantly, and above all. I just really like I, I really want to see Brandon Graham make the Pro Bowl. Like that would make me really happy. I think it would make him really happy. I think there should be more Brandon Graham jerseys out there, really, honestly. And jerseys. Like I you don't, don't see think, that many of them. You're right. Uh, there should be more. Like this is a player who's a legend. Like you can't go wrong with that purchase. Like I, I think that question comes up every now and again. Like, oh, which Eagles jersey should I buy? Which one's the safest to buy? Brandon Graham is a really safe one to buy because he's a great guy from from all we know. Great family man, great player, great personality. Like, get get a Brandon Graham jersey and then vote for him. Vote for him to be in the Pro Bowl. I don't get anything this out, out of this other than just seeing the joy of a guy who's worked really hard and has been, I think, to me, an all-time Eagle uh, to get rewarded. So I think that would be a nice positive to have in an otherwise down season. So uh, we'll have a post about that. This isn't quite Project Donna Lulu, Jimmy, 
which I referenced uh, in, in. Oh, writing. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite the same thing. There. What was the deal? Oh, they got the they got a higher pick from yeah. Washington if he made the playoffs. Yeah, that's a, right. That's yeah. a deep cut, but but I still think <laughs> yeah. we should all vote for Brandon Graham to make the playoffs. He deserves it, or not the playoffs, the um the the, the Pro Bowl. He deserves it. So once that opens, we'll have a campaign for that. Maybe come up with a hashtag or something. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have this week. He'll like that too when he sees that, and he'll he'll help you promote that. I yeah, think. maybe we can even get him on. We'll we'll try to we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll see. What uh does, do they do they retire his his jersey when he retires? <sighs> I don't think they will. I think they might. I would love it. I'd love to see that. I mean, he doesn't have the numbers. They're to not going to give it, it out obviously. for a while. I mean, that, that's been that's been a story of his career. Is that he's been a better player than his numbers would show. You know, when you look at his numbers, you go, yeah, no way. I mean, you don't retire a guy guy's jersey with those numbers, but uh, I think they might. I would not be against it. Um, but that's all we have. For you here on this episode of BGN Radio, obviously, again, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. You can go to RighteousFelon.com, use discount code BGN15, that's BGN15, to get 15% off your order of meat snacks, non-meat snacks, clothing, apparel, whatever. You can go out to their website and check it all out for yourselves. Uh, we will be back with you next week talking about the defense, grading them, and other anything else that happens relevant to talk about the Eagles, the fallout of the Giants, Washington game, who cares. But we'll be back with you then. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.